Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Watchman, what of the night? That was the question posed in a difficult time of Israel's history. Although today we see through a glass darkly, I wish to focus on what I see on the near horizon. Paul told the Ephesian church that he did not neglect to share the whole counsel of God. In other words, we speak the parts we like, the parts we don't like, the parts we understand, the parts we simply must experience. And today, it falls my lot to do just that. And I hope your hearts will be open to this. This is Ken Gurley, our daily devotion. I'm looking at things that I see on the near horizon. And today, I see a divine reckoning. This reminds me of a time that we tend to forget When an earthquake shook San Francisco, the great San Franciscan earthquake of 1906, the message behind every pulpit then was understandably, God is love and he suffers alongside of us. I believe that's true. But then they started saying things like, God was not in the earthquake. Their efforts were, in some sense, very human, very understandable, They were trying to allay people's fears and concerns. One preacher in Los Angeles named Frank Bartleman was moved to intercession, and he prayed all night long. He saw that the Spirit of the Lord was striving with man, that he was knocking on their hearts' doors. He was reaching out to them with conviction to avoid a greater judgment to come. He was using this earthquake to save people from a far worse future. Bartleman was moved. He printed thousands of tracts. He raced through Los Angeles, scattering them. His message was, God was in the earthquake. We tend to forget that the Azusa Street revival that swept Los Angeles and the world was born in the aftermath of the great earthquake. God created a perfect world. Man's sin marred the world. And all of the thorns and the thistles, indeed the earth groaning for its redemption. All the anger, the violence, the bloodshed, all sicknesses, diseases, viruses, earthquakes, tornadoes, and storms did not come from the hand of God, but from the sin of man. Yet God can, and graciously God will, ride on the wings of the wind and every storm must fulfill his objective and his purpose. He will use negative things to soften hearts, to turn eyes to him, to clarify that distinction between the church and the world, and to call his people beneath his wings. I hear that divine whisper, that gentle knocking of his nail-scarred hand, saying, listen to me. Can you hear me? And so I speak to this nation. I have shared some things up until now this week about what I see God doing. But today, I want to share something sobering. I see a divine 
reckoning. 400 years ago, the separatist on board the Mayflower would land at Plymouth Rock. Each had signed their name to a document before they disembarked, the Mayflower Compact. It contained phrases like, in the name of God and by the grace of God, and we do all for the glory of God. These were the people who came to this nation, people who looked for a place to worship freely. They were not perfect, but there was a burning desire to create that shining city upon a hill. And so began a 400-year quest, one that saw great gain and great losses. In times of religious fervor, great things would happen. Schools would be founded to propagate Christianity. Harvard, Yale, other schools. Missionary programs would be set up to spread the gospel. Then time and again, a period of backsliding would hit our nation. At one such time, the great civil war. Abraham Lincoln said this, We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. And here's what he said in March 30, 1863. We've become too proud to pray to the God that made us. America is in trouble. It does not delight me to say that, but I feel burdened. I feel compelled to say that. America has committed at least three very old sins, the first being the sin of Hezekiah. You remember Hezekiah. He was the one who said, so long as everything is okay in my day, doesn't really matter what happens to the next generation. That's in 2 Kings 20. America has forfeited, gambled away the next generation. Our children really do matter. They really do. America has not only committed the sin of Hezekiah, but the sin of Molech found in Jeremiah 32:35. Molech, you may remember, was the cruel idol worshipped by the Canaanite people. When Israel went into the promised land, they caught the spirit of the age rather than correcting it. They sacrificed their children to appease these supposed deities. The altar of Molech was thought to be made of hollow metal. Fires were built within until the metal glowed red. And parents would place their children into the fiery arms of a pagan deity, giving up the next generation. God grieves. He grieves over the loss of each human life. And this time, he grieves. Regardless of its cause, he grieves. Yes, I see a divine reckoning. America has also committed not just the sin of Hezekiah and Molech, but the sin of Sodom. And be careful before your mind leaps to the sexual immorality of that infamous city. Stop and remember what the prophet Ezekiel said was behind Sodom's failure. 
he said that the sin of Sodom was pride, fullness of bread, and idleness, and abundance of idleness. A selfish, proud, narcissistic people, more focused on selfies than on the losses of humanity. One of the late Billy Graham's final messages, he preached, my heart aches for America. In that message, he quoted his late wife, Ruth, who once said, God will not apologize to Sodom. America, we've been given so much, but in our selfishness and self-satisfaction, we drifted away. Morals and mores were shattered. Traditional moorings found since the Garden of Eden were loosed, and a reckoning awaits. It's at the opening of Romans, we read God giving people over to wrath, and four reasons are given, four R's are given for God's wrath against people, is that we were given revelation. That's first of all. Our own consciences bore witness to God's truth. But we chose the second R, rejection. We turned away from God and filled our minds and hearts with thoughts and darkness. Then third, we rationalized and elevated our thoughts above God's thought. And then the predictable outcome of that was the fourth R, we formed our own religion. That's what Paul said, we worship creature more than creator. And look at our nation today, a reckoning. Some have given up and said it's too late for America. But I refuse to believe that because of this word, thou, thou. That's a good King James word. Psalm 85, 6. Wilt thou not revive us again? Adrian Rogers once said, if it depended upon us, indeed it would be too late. But as long as there is a God, there is hope for America and hope for revival. We are faced with a reckoning, a calling to accounts, a settling up. But I believe we're also faced with a beckoning. The Holy Spirit is saying today, if you will harden not your hearts, there will be no middle ground, no third way. We will either choose revival or ruins. It's in his book, Preparation for Pentecost. James Stewart describes what revival is. The manifestation of the supernatural, the people of God filled with the presence of God, the sovereign, supernatural, spontaneous moving of the Holy Spirit, saints on their faces on behalf of lost souls, saints on their feet racing to tell others the good news, backsliders restored to the thrill and joy of their first love, the breaking out of God's glory, the people of God living in the power of the unquenched Spirit of God, the church of God filled with the fullness of God, the church crowded in the upper room, waiting on the promises of heaven, an invasion of light into the world's darkness. Revival is our hearts filled with joy, our mouths filled with praise. Thank you, James Stewart, for that description. That's my choice. Others may give voice to ruin. I want to lend my voice to revival. I choose the beckoning over the reckoning. The beckoning comes when we repent. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist's first word is recorded, repent, repent. 
And we read that the people of Jerusalem repented and came to be baptized. In Luke, we find that John was the voice in the wilderness and people came to confess their faults and be baptized. Of all the people in the world that God could have chosen to usher in the Messiah, he chose John. Of all the messages God could have preached, he chose the message of repentance. It was G. Campbell Morgan of many years ago that made the statement, the task of the church is not to catch the spirit of the age, it's to correct the spirit of the age. America finds herself in the same situation as Israel when John the Baptist came. She's in trouble. We need a cry of repentance. There is a divine reckoning, and yet there is also a beckoning. I hear the voice of God saying, come unto me. I hear the bridegroom joining in a sublime duet with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the bride saying, come. That before the divine reckoning, there is a beckoning. And the Spirit of the Lord is drawing people right now. I can feel his presence. In this daily devotion, I can sense that, yes, there is a divine reckoning coming. But in anticipation of that, the Spirit is moving and calling and reaching for every one of us. This is our moment. This is our day to respond to the call, a reckoning before the beckoning. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. The book on prayer is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.